Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, August 10th, and we're talking NFL best ball strategy today. If you're trying to win the three million like me and Willie, we got all the tips, players, strategy, roster construction, and more. Let's go. I got a new microphone today, so I'm not sure if it's going to sound like shit. Bear with me if my audio sucks. literally broke as I was doing the NBA win total spot the other day. All right, everyone. Hello and welcome into another episode of The Advantage. I am joined by a very frequent guest who joined me last season to break down a few DFS fantasy football slates. We're going to be having a similar kind of conversation today where we're talking about strategies For NFL Best Ball Fantasy, we're going to talk about Best Ball Mania, winning your individual league, and then extrapolating that out into these major tournaments, kind of strategies to approach these basic formats. To do that, like I said, someone who broke down a few slates with me, the king himself, Willie Yormack. Willie, welcome back to the pod. How many uh, underdog best ball drafts have you done this offseason so far? Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you having me back. I've done around 100 best ball drafts. I think there's a max entry of 150, and I'm going to win the $3 million because I'm manifesting it, and I'm super pumped. And I'm going to have the best strategy best ball podcast because I got someone who's done 100 drafts with me. Tune it in live on August 9th, Willie. You're a bit insane for doing 100 drafts on August 9th. But let's go. You you love this stuff just as much as I do, and that makes me love you all that much more. Um, So I just want to kind of approach to what is best ball for the listeners. Not everyone – I think best ball is relatively new. Like if you told me five years ago, Mike, you know what best ball is, I would have no fucking clue. Even though I've been playing fantasy sports for a long time, I cracked the DFS codes when I was a freshman in college 11, 12 years ago. (laughs) I – yeah, that was nice. That was before optimizers <laughs> were a thing. We were doing really well. Your brother was part of it. Um, and then we've been playing fantasy and, and doing betting on spreads and totals and props and all that stuff for a decade. But in the last like year or two, best ball has come out. So the, the, give the audience, the listeners, Willie, I'll explain that best ball is a type of fantasy football draft where you just draft your team. You're in a simulated 12-team league where you have an initial draft, which might take, what, an hour or so, and then your team is locked in for the rest of the season, and you cannot make any roster adjustments. There's no waivers. There's no trades. There's no season-long maintenance of a fantasy football league. What the computers do on the back end is they give you your optimal roster on a week-to-week basis. They're going to maximize your points with your, I think we've all known what optimal lineup means as we click our Yahoo and realize we bench the guy who scored 28. That doesn't happen in best ball because they will put that person into your lineup that week. So what you're really trying to do is accumulate the people who have the best and most consistent weeks and you try and go through the season stacking these points 
And then at the end of the season, if you win your league, you are then entered into a best ball mania for weeks 15, 16, and 17, which me and Willie are going to focus on kind of attacking the end of the season. And how you try and you get put in these leagues where now you're getting the winners from every league. So you're going to have some overlap. That's when it's going to kind of become a DFS simulated space in the best ball world when a lot of people are going to have shares of the same players. So later in the season, 15, 16, 17, you're in pools with people in all these different leagues and you're trying to win the big bucks and have the best team. Again, Willie said at the end, it's a like three million pot. We already found the winner. He's on my podcast. And that's really exciting. Willie, did I do a good job explaining what the basic principles of best ball is? Yeah, I don't think you could have done a better job. Um, I think the only thing is there's 18 roster spots. I'm not sure if you included that. But outside of that, I, I think it was perfect. Is it 18 roster spots in both DraftKings and Underdog? I don't know if it is in DraftKings, actually. But in Underdog, there's 18. 10 bench spots. Uh you okay, know, I believe I believe DraftKings is actually twenty rounds, if I know offhand. So we will we will sort of finagle use that in, in what we're talking about later on. It's really not that big of a deal. You are searching for scrap heaps among the recycling bins in round nineteen and twenty. <laughs> so uh, what me and Willie can give you as advice is not really going to stick. If we're lucky, it's going to hit. That's really all that is. So hitting on a 19th round fantasy pick is the same thing as winning a sports parlay. So you get lucky if you do it, but you can't expect to do it consistently. Um, so Willie, when you enter a best ball draft, when you enter, when you sign up for a league and you get into the lobby, what are the first few things that are starting to go through your mind? Are you, are you immediately like, what pick did I get? And am I starting to map out my team? Because I know if I'm getting in a late round first, I like a wide receiver. If I'm liking an early first, I get a running back. What is the moment and what is the thought process of you when you get sent into the draft lobby and you get realized you have X pick? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I think about is the strategy. And so from a basic standpoint, in 2022, the highest playoff advance rate in best ball by roster construction looked like taking two quarterbacks, six running backs, seven wide receivers, and three tight ends. The second highest advance rate looked like taking two quarterbacks, six running backs, eight wide receivers, and two tight ends. Ultimately, for me, I base everything off roster construction. So, for example, if I take uh, Lamar Jackson, I am only probably going to take two quarterbacks. We recommend you take anywhere from two to three quarterbacks. But if I wait until the later rounds and I get Kenny Pickett and Jordan Love, Maybe I'll also draft a third quarterback just for reassurance purposes. Um, what I recommend in terms of roster construction mostly is uh, anywhere from five to nine wide receivers, four to seven running backs, two to three quarterbacks, one, uh, sorry, two to three tight ends. And, um, yeah, I think from a roster construction standpoint, you know, you can kind of base that off who you want to choose, but that's ultimately the strategy I'm thinking about when I'm going into it. All right. I absolutely love that, Willie. Give me what you said was the optimal advance rates for last season, because what was going through my head when you started saying that was, oh, he's just going to say Travis Kelsey. But then you broke it down (laughs) positionally, right? So give me the positions again. You said it's last year, the optimum would have been go. Yeah. So last year would have been two quarterbacks, six running backs, seven wide receivers, Three tight ends. Okay. 
Let's the leave second it right there. highest advance rate looked like two quarterbacks, yep. six running backs, eight wide receivers, two tight ends. Okay. So, you're just in that last one, you're simply flipping one of your tight ends into a receiver. So, which they're kind of becoming the same position. Um, really, now when you get sent into the draft lobby and you know that this is the basic approach and the format and structure in which you're going to build your team, if you're given an early pick in the draft, are you more saying I'm grabbing one of my running backs early are you, or are you saying I'm going to grab one of my wide receivers early? Who are some of the guys in the first round that you love to target? Where do you love to land and what's your like, mm, I'm unhappy that I just got eighth or whatever? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm going to go wide receiver first just because I think there's running back value later in the drafts, and I think wide receivers get picked off really early. Um, does that mean so Does that mean you're, you're going Jefferson 1.01? Does that mean you're going Chase at, at 3, Cup at 4? Where, where are you putting yeah, some of these guys? I like um, Jefferson Is that one. the order? Did I just get the names right? <laughs> I mean, I, it depends how many entries you're doing, right? Like, I like Chase 1. I'm sorry, like Jefferson one, Chase two. Um, sometimes, you know, CMC for me, I'm going to go Tyreek. Uh, then I'm going to go Cup. Then I'll go CMC, but I'll switch off since I'm doing a lot of different drafts and I want my exposure. Um, I want equal exposure on, on really all of them. Um, then, you know, you can get Eckler. And then I, I like the wide receivers. So, you know, Garrett Wilson, CeeDee Lamb, Stephon Diggs. Um Ultimately, in the later rounds, I like going wide receiver, wide receiver, but switch it up sometimes going wide receiver, running back. Um, yeah. Who do, you dread, mean, who do you dread getting in the first round? Is there anyone or are you really just because I have 100 teams and I'm splitting my exposure, I'm taking a few shares here, a few shares here, or do you look back on your 100 teams so far and you're like, well, I have one fucking percent Jonathan Taylor right now. Considering <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, in the first round... Are there any names you're skipping in the first round or two? Are there any I'm names not... that you're heavily targeting in the first round or two? Because I'm going to give you two of mine. I've been heavily targeting uh, Stefan Diggs, um, Cooper Cup, and Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill probably being my number one. If I can get Tyreek Hill, I'm getting him everywhere I can get him just because he's an absolute freak. And if Tua stays healthy, my man's is going for 2,000 yards. Let's go, Tyreek! You say, um, if, you say if Tyreek stays healthy. Willie, how many games did Tyreek Hill play last season? No, if Tua stays healthy. Oh, okay. But answer my question. How many how many um, games did, did Tyreek play last season? I don't know. How many did he play last season? Did he miss a game? Nope. Do you know how many yeah. he played the year before? Didn't miss a game. Tyreek doesn't miss games. Come on. So... That's another thing. Seven, Tyreek's game log through his career. And remember, Tyreek wasn't always playing in a 17-game season. He was playing the last 17 has only been two seasons. 16, right. 15, 16, one off season where he got hurt, 12, 15, 17, 17. Tyreek Hill does not miss games. And that's going to bring me to my point of, like, who do I like to target early in these drafts? Who do I like to have heavier stake in? I don't, like... For so many times on this podcast, if you're listening to this 11 minutes into the Best Ball Strategy podcast, I guarantee you've heard me say this before. To a certain point, I just know that they know more than me. That what's been done in the past is 
is not super indicative of what's going to happen in the future, but you just, in a fantasy sense, just show me what's proven. Don't give me all the hype and all the new flashy car. Just let me hit my putter. Let me go stroll down memory lane with Tyreek Hill yet again catching another fucking deep ball and taking it 80 yards to the house. How many times have I seen it year after year after year after year after year? So many that, like, I guess Tyreek's in a group of, of guys that just always do it himself, too. But I'd rather have Tyreek. I'd rather have Jefferson. I'd rather have Diggs. I'd rather have Devontae. And I'd rather have all these guys over Cup because there's been countless of seasons where even though Cup's an absolute menace, he gets hurt way more often. He gets nicked up way more often. His quarterback in Stafford, I would actually argue, has a higher percent of chances of missing games than Tua. I think I think Stafford has a was, was recovering from spinal contusions all the time. He's been multiple times in his career has had spine problems. As someone with multiple back surgeries, I don't want anything near the Rams. How many rookies they have? The fact that they gave Sean McVay a deal that shows that this is just a rebuild year, and then they'll start to restack and regroup around him. I love Cooper Cup, but it and now I'm looking for ways to pick apart first round guys. But I would rather stick to someone like. Jefferson, Tyreek, Diggs, Devontae. With with Chase, I love Chase, but he's he's missed games throughout his career, and Burroughs missed plenty of games too, and Burroughs already banged up early in the season. So I love Jamar Chase. I absolutely love, 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 love Jamar Chase for a redraft situation because in a redraft, if Jamar Chase does get hurt, God forbid, I could cut him. I can get him off my roster and replace him with another name. If we get to a place in best ball where you're where your players are getting hurt and leaving and putting up zeros, and then the back end of your roster is filled with people who you're trying and hoping they get playing time and hoping they pop because you're hoping at the end of the year to win a best ball mania tournament with some of these no names, then you're stuck in this middle ground where the middle weeks you're getting hammered. So for those reasons, I I'm 100% with you on Diggs, Willie. I prefer a late-round best ball pick so that I can snag up Derrick Henry and Diggs. Or give me Nick Chubb and Diggs. Because every part of my being can see CMC, or even though Eckler's historically been very healthy, put Eckler in that group, Saquon plays on the worst field in all of fucking sports. I know that because I'm a Giants fan. Um, (laughs) And... We, we have these situations. I don't know. Brees, was Brees on that field? Was Brees home or away when he tore his ACL last year? Um, I think he was away. Yeah, I think uh, he was I, away too. But he, Brees, is, Brees is concerning because of the field he plays on too, returning from an ACL. Anyways, um, for these reasons, give me Derrick Henry. Because in what world is Derrick Henry going to suffer a major injury? Some freak accident needs to happen. Or he needs to get wrapped up by four people. I could just so much easier in my mind see CMC getting snapped in half like a twig, and I hate to envision it. But Derrick Henry, that's not happening to. So even though CMC might be more explosive, even though CMC might have a better per game, whatever, in a situation like best ball, Derrick Henry, for me, gets knocked up a few rungs because he's super consistent, super durable, and I can expect him to be there throughout the course of the season. That's why I feel that way about Chubb. I'll, I'll throw a few names at you that I just – these guys I think are tanks. Devontae, yeah. Chubb, uh, Derrick Henry. Tyreek fits into that group because he's so fast and he's never had a hamstring problem that it works out for him too. Um, 
Diggs is Diggs is historically very healthy. Yeah, do you, do you think, kind of do you kind of buy into that? Are you worrying about injury concern in your first few rounds? A little bit. I mean, I think Diggs is super reliable. Um, I'm like with Saquon, you on- Saquon would be a stay so far away in a best ball world because I love Saquon, but he's had so many injuries in his career, and again plays on the worst field in football where he's also asked to do so much. But what it's happens terrifying. if they? What happens if they don't get injured, right? Like, what happens if you're doing your max entering? You have 150 entries. Are you saying like you you want to you want no Saquon? You want a limited amount of exposure to Cup and Saquon because if Cup stays healthy, right? There's a world where you can pop off for 1.8 that 1.8 yards. There's there's a world Saquon can be Saquon and be nasty and win you a league. Yeah, what, I wonder, like, Willie. Do you think you pair these high end risks on the same teams, or do you split them up? on different teams in your best ball portfolio. I, I think I think pairing them up makes sense. If you don't like them, you just pair them up a, a couple different times. I, I think that's a good way to look at it. My 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 I'm not saying I want no Saquon cuz I obviously see a world where Saquon's potentially the RB one overall. I don't really say that for anything. I just say give me someone who's going to be top 5 in their position. I see many of worlds where Saquon's top 5 in his position, right? Yeah. Uh, and I and I and in best ball, we're looking totals. We're not looking per game because what really matters is that you're there. If, you, if you're a top five per game guy, but you're like Cooper Cup where you only played seven weeks last year, you're horrendous. You're horrendous value for best ball. Yeah, completely. Okay. But uh, if at Cooper, least we if agree on Cup's that. Only play, if Cooper Cup's playing seven games, right, you, you're losing that. Like you're, you're, yep. whatever your entry, it's lost automatically yep. pretty much. So, so – these are the things that I take into consideration when I'm going first round. I'm just like, give me the freaking tank and give me the guy who I have slightly less injury concerns about. And these are not things that I overly prioritize in a redraft league because you have waivers. You can replace said guy with the newest hot toy that's popping off. You can't do that in best ball. So I think going a little bit safe, safer is the play. And for that... In those first few rounds, it becomes some of those names. Willie, let's move to the middle rounds. Let's move to some of the skill positions. Um, are you going early QB, and are you trying to get – I think there's three elite QBs this year, and then it's a it's a cliff. It's Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Mahomes. You can rank them however you want. I'm not going to argue. But then I think there's a major cliff. I think Burrow is, like, mostly four on the ranks. That's eyebrow-raising yeah, to me. A lot no, of no, no thanks. Um, are you saying I really want to get one of these top three QBs or are you uh, saying let me sit back game. and wait on a QB and get three QBs total? How are you playing the quarterback position yeah. in the, the middle way I'm playing the, quarter, the way I'm playing the quarterback position just in general is I'm trying to stack quarterbacks with wide receivers. With that being said, if I take yeah. someone like Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson, I don't need to stack because there's a rushing upside, right? So they can get points on – by themselves, I don't need to throw in the wide receivers. Let me let me cut you off right there and add in one thing. Historically in fantasy football, the most profitable stack in season-long formats is stacking a quarterback with their wide receiver too. So what right. you want to do is you want to stack Jalen Hurts, not with A.J. Brown, but with Devonta Smith. Because if Jalen Hurts 
truly has a year like he had last year, then you look at Devonta Smith also had an amazing year. Whereas if you're, you're paying up for the number one receiver, who's just probably going to have a number one receiver type year. But if you could pair this year Dak Prescott, but not with CeeDee Lamb, but you think it's actually going to be Brandon Cooks and he ends up having 1,100 yards, you just hit a fucking jackpot. So historically, yeah. what you want to do is pair wide receiver twos with quarterbacks, who are some of the quarterbacks we're targeting? Do you really want one of the top three? Um, <clears throat> I don't really think you can go home with Mahomes, Allen, Hurts. Um, I really like the Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith uh, stack, especially later in the playoffs, week 15, 16, 17. I think they have a pretty easy schedule. Um, for me, I, I don't know how you where you stand, Mike, but like I really like Lamar Jackson. Um, I love his rushing upside. I'm a big Zay Flowers believer. Uh, I don't love Rashad Bateman. I think Odell could have a decent year, really like Mark Andrews this year, and I think the Ravens um, can be really good. Um, so I'm big who on the, him. Willie, who are the names around Zay Flowers in the draft? I'm just wondering how far the hype train has gone because obviously his name has been incredibly loud this preseason. Yes, I yeah. like Lamar. Yes, I like pairing a rushing quarterback with a guy who can be you know, an 1,000-yard receiver and who's going to be on the back end of, of you're not paying yeah. up for Zay Flowers, but just who are some of the other names around him? Because there is a world where Zay Flowers is the third receiver there because they do love Rashad Bateman, and they do love Odell Beckham Jr. So even though they've come in and we're seeing, hearing great things about Zay Flowers early in camp, he's also a rookie early in camp who, let's take 20-second timeout and realize all of these teams and all of these PR staffs are super incentivized to talk up their rookies early in camp. You think it's you think it's a surprise you've heard amazing things about Bijan and Gibbs because everyone in the first round running back is like you should never take a first round running back and then immediately in training camp we're hearing the best things ever about these two guys? No, that's on purpose. You think we're hearing about Quinton Johnson being great with Justin Herbert just because he's truly being great no it's because herbert already had a ton of weapons and they added another and a rookie first rounder and they're like we want our fans to think that we did a good job so some of this is a little politically skewed and yeah. sometimes that my focus of when that happens is bryce young is doing amazing in panthers camp is he really doing amazing in panthers camp or are we just trying to give a rookie a little boost of confidence and get the fan base a little more excited for what's to come who are the names surrounded Zay Flowers? How far has the hype train gone? Yeah, so it's it's around like it's this tier is like Gabe Davis, Jordan Addison, Traylon Burks, JSN, Cooks, Sutton, Addison, Burks, Cooks, JSN, Sutton, JSN. So really, what this is, Elijah Moore, yeah, Willie. Really, what this just becomes is this is the stack zone. What yeah. what pick what picks are these? What's the ADP? Um, I don't know. I don't have it up right now. I will get it up though and tell you. Because when I'm looking at this list, and when we said Devonta Smith and Jalen Hurts before, my immediate brain went, yeah, the other ones clearly Gabe Davis and Josh Allen, or it's Dalton yeah. Kincaid and Josh Allen. It's pick your one of those two. It's not Diggs and Allen because Diggs is already going to have a Diggs season. There's not too much higher Diggs can go if Josh Allen's already the MVP. So if Josh Allen becomes the MVP, then you're looking at Gabe Davis or Dalton Kincaid having somewhat of a monster season, right? So this is what I'm calling the stack zone. If you have belief 
that Cousins and the Vikings are going to pop, then you go Jordan Addison. If you have yeah. faith that it's going to be the Dak Prescott-led Cowboys and Brandon Cooks having 1,000 yards for yet another team, I think he's already done it for three teams. He's looking to be, what, the first receiver to have 1,000 yards with four different NFL franchises. That would be absurd. <laughs> also totally likely, in my opinion. Stack yeah. Cooks and Dak. You're thinking you're going on the Russ hype train. You won't find me with you, but take Sutton. Um, JSN is a name that I think we need to talk about, Willie, because I'm a Geno Smith lover. Like, Same. Love Geno, dude. Love, love Geno. And so, that, so does that jump JSN totally above these names? If you have a league where you have Geno, how high are you prioritizing a guy like JSN? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, from, like I like JSN probably more than Deontay Johnson, Ayuk, like, potentially even, like, Christian, Christian Kirk. Like, I'm actually um, – I am chasing on him uh, just because, one, I love Geno Smith, too. I think he's going to get a lot of targets underneath. Lockett and DK um, will be wide out running deeper, deeper um, routes. And I think – Initially, maybe he won't get the ball as much, but as the season progresses, and like we said, weeks 15, 16, 17 matter a lot, I think he'll get the ball a lot more. Um, I think there's a world where he's just better than Tyler Lockett, and he competes with DK, um, and I'm just a, a Gino's really accurate too, so he's going to be throwing the ball underneath the JSN a lot, in my opinion, and chemistry will build, and so for that reason, for best ball mania, I think there's a ton of upside there. Gino has a few other things going for him that I want to point out, which certainly applies to JSN. Um, the Seahawks' schedule is pretty favorable. The Seahawks' division took a huge hit this year. The Rams and the Cardinals are expected to be two of the worst teams in the NFL. We came into last season expecting potentially four playoff teams from this division, right? We were Rams off a recent Super Bowl win. We had the Cardinals with the Kyler and Cliff, and they just got extensions, and Kyler got a big deal. We had... Uh, the 49ers who are always knocking on the door. And then the <laughs> surprise of last season was the Seattle Seahawks, which you can listen to my receipts on the podcast. There's episodes of me, Willie, last year going preseason. It's the Seahawks this year. It's the Seahawks this year. Bet the Seahawks yeah. every game. Bet their overwin total. I absolutely nailed that the Seahawks were going to be competitive. One of my biggest bets of last season was Seahawks plus six and a half week one when Russ was coming home. Um, against Denver, that Monday night football game. I will never forget it. It was probably my smartest bet read I've ever made. And <laughs> and for those for those reasons, I love the Seahawks. We see the Sharps backing them. We have proof that Gino, I just I said at the beginning of the pod, show me guys that have done it before. Gino's clearly a guy who was fifth in fantasy points per game last season. I don't think it was a one-year hype thing. Gino was really good. He was really accurate. He has a good offensive line. He has a good run game. He has a good defense. He has a coaching system that's been in place with him through his entire time in Seattle. There was, It's the same offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron and the same head coach from when Gino was backing up Russ. So then he's been in that system as a backup, took it over as a starter, and started to play really well. There's no reason to think it's not going any, it's not going to change. And they just gave Gino like a three-year deal to that kind of proved that hey, you're our guy for the next few years. So yeah, I no, I'm love on the Gino train, definitely. I love the Gino JSN stack. I'm also a big believer. If you ended up getting Josh Allen earlier in the draft, then you take Gabe Davis over JSN. I also believe like. If you are a person who believes in one of these other receivers, 
you listen to Willie, Willie clearly believes in JSN. He's using the word, I'm chasing him. This is the word I use is he becomes a pivot player. If he becomes someone I'm reaching for a little bit and using as a pivot so that I'm breaking free from the norms for the weeks 15, 16, 17, because if I have this guy, he might be the game breaker and what changes the script for me. So you want to identify a few of those guys. For Willie, it's JSN. I kind of agree. I, I'm, I have a lot of Seahawks bets myself. Um, so I'm totally with that. What about the um, tight end position, Willie? Let's go through the tight ends. Are we thinking that we definitely want uh, Kelsey and, and Pitts? I mean, not Kelsey and Pitts, Kelsey and Andrews. Um, are we okay with the, the Hawkinsons, the Pitts, the Wallers, Goddards? Or are we like, let's just get, give me three tight ends off the scrap heap that'll maybe cling together some random weeks. Give me fucking Greg Dolchich, Cole Komet, and Gerald Everett. All of the above. If I'm getting Kelsey, I'm getting Mahomes as well, just because there's a ton of correlation between both of those two. If Mahomes is going to be playing lights out, then Kelsey. That probably Wait, you Kelsey mean there was a game where Mahomes threw Kelsey four touchdowns last year? Yeah, exactly, right? Um, Lamar and Mark Andrews, I like that stack as well. Um, I I, uh, I like TJ um, and, and Kirk. Um, for me, I think Darren Waller could be like a really big – a, a big game changer for the Giants and a big focal point as well. Um, so outside of Travis, Mark Andrews, TJ, I think maybe a little bit of Kittle action, Waller. Um, I like getting, you know, Dolchage. I like Dalton Schultz. I think you can do Cole Komet. Um, I think there, there are a bunch of tight ends. I don't know. Who do you like? I think avoid the hype train on the rookie tight ends. Definitely don't take multiple of these rookies thinking one of them is going to pop. Oh, I'm going to grab Laporta and Kincaid yeah. and Musgrave and Mayer. No, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do not do that shit. Grab – I like grabbing one stable tight end, Willie. I actually feel pretty good about, like, the top seven this year. So my yeah. thinking is grab one of the top seven. I, I personally think Hawkinson has a ton of upside in a best ball type of situation. I really prefer Hawkinson's upside in a best ball that leads to a best ball mania because I think he's not only going to be super consistent, I think he has tons of upside. I think that also applies to Waller, but I'm terrified of the injury concerns with Waller. He's yeah. played seven seasons and he's had one healthy season, and now he goes to the New York Giants, which I have said four times already is the worst field in the NFL. So I think it's going to be really hard for Waller to stay healthy, but – I also absolutely love the Waller-Daniel Jones stack. Like, I think that's one of the most premier stacks in terms of value that you can find in the NFL. In a redraft situation, you might find me with both of those guys on my roster. So, I really like those. I like, and I know I said this to you right before we started recording, I'm actually in on buying, buying low on pits because he's such a generational talent and he's actually really good and his snap rates and his route running rates and his, his target share... All of the advanced analytics surround Pitts show that he's actually going to have a bounce back year. And I've said it before in this pod, I'll say it again. I love Desmond Ritter this year. I think he is our Daniel Jones. I think the Falcons have the easiest schedule in the NFL. I think he's going to run the ball six, seven times a game on average, which then if he stays healthy, nets to 100 rushes on the year. Where then if Desmond Ritter's running the ball 100 times and throwing the ball 300 times, then I guarantee you he's a top 10 in fantasy points per game. Like, it's just going to happen. So that t type of volume and output screams to me that Desmond Ritter is this year's Daniel Jones. Is Daniel Jones this year's Josh Allen? I think that's actually possible. 
Um, so <laughs> that's kind of the levels to which I'm thinking this. Maybe Ritter and Jones end up just being the same guy. Maybe Ritter's a, a, a tad worse and he's more of like a Geno. But I'm really in on Ritter. Uh, I'd, I'd stack a tight end with my quarterback, and I would look to pair some of these onesie positions where you can only start one of them with people on the same team where if they pop, you know you hit big because of it. Yeah, I like that. I think for Ritter, I, like rushing upside is definitely there. My only concern is accuracy. Like, is he going to be a good passer? You think so? Um, I don't know. I just think I just think at, at cost and at upside, it, it really screams. Yeah. I think if you're going into the season with Ritter, you're going into one of these three quarterback situations, right? You're going three quarterback, two tight end, maybe, right. or. Another person that I really like, really, in the, in the quarterback, and you could potentially stack with a wide receiver, too, is getting, like, a Derek Carr, and you maybe stack him with... I, I don't... I, <laughs> say that again? MT. Hopefully he doesn't get say hurt. Michael Thomas. I think Olave's clearly going as the wide receiver one. I don't think is going to be the wide receiver run one in terms of the way NFL positions are played. Like he's going to be the slot under guy in fantasy. He might generate more fantasy points, but we know in terms of like when you play Madden and you're clicking that, you know, B button, cause that's your real wide receiver one on the far right side, running the deep route. That's probably going to be more of Michael Thomas. I know he's a possession receiver himself. So the skill set's a little bit redundant with Olave, but we go back to Derek Carr, and we look at Derek Carr, what he did with the Raiders. He was number one in touchdowns over 20 yards. He was number one in uh, completions over 20 yards. He was, like, him and Devontae had so many, I think, seven touchdowns together where they were over 20-yard bombs. So that kind of stack, if you get Derek Carr with whoever his deep threat is, that is a definition of absolutely popping off on certain weeks. Like, you get the guy who... Like, Matt Collins last year had some crazy weeks, right? Yeah, he did. That could be easily transferred over to the New Orleans Saints this year. So I love the idea of stacking Derek Carr with a Michael Thomas, uh, I don't know, Foster Moreau. Jimmy Graham is apparently there. I'd probably stay away from that one because end of the season, who knows how functional he is. Um, Derek Carr and a position player is another stack I absolutely love. Yeah. Rashid could be good, too. Who's that? Rashid Shahid. Oh, Rashid Shahid or whatever his name is. Yeah, the rookie. There's also that guy Rashid Rice in Kansas City, right? Have you heard of that name? So let's talk about some late round absolute swings. We're taking guys who in normal leagues are going to be on the waiver wire because this is a 18 or 20 round draft. Normal fantasy is a 14 or 13 round draft. Willie, who are some guys that you want to take absolute swings on late in late in the draft? Do you have approached do you have any basic approach to rounds like 14, 15, 16, 17, 8, like those really deep um, ones? I mean, yeah, you you're thinking I'm thinking upside here. Um so for me, you know, I'm liking people like Marvin Mims. I think that there's a chance he could be really good. Um I like Rasheed Rice. Um I like People like Scantling, like you, we have no idea really what's going to go on in, in with the Chiefs wide receivers. So I don't mind grabbing, you know, Sky Moore, Scantling, um, Rice. Are you, more, are you more apt to go wide receiver late or running back really late? Um, I think it really depends who who's available and who and who's not available. Um, 
like you know, like I can go Gus Edwards late. Jakey Dobbs always gets hurt. Um, Would you rather go with like uh, who's the backup for Nick Chubb? Like Jerome Ford? Yeah, Jerome Ford. Like I think he'll Would see rather like 30- go Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford's both there. You have you have the exact same amount of wide receivers and running backs. Your roster construction's okay. So a guy like Jerome Ford's there, but so is a guy like Scantling. Which way does your brain go? Um, or the guy who's a handcuff who's going to definitely or who if Chubb got hurt, he's instantly a top twelve running back on a week to week basis. Or are you going with the guy like Scantling who you know is gonna get snaps week one, two, three, four. Like you can get touchdowns, you can get a two touchdown game week two from Scantling, but you don't know if it's going to develop into this massive upside. It might hit, but it also might not. I'm probably going to go scaling just from a consistency consistency standpoint. Plus, there's upside since the Chiefs wide receivers. Like, we have no idea what's going on. With that uh-huh. being said, I think Jerome Ford, like, people need to think about the fact that, like, he is going to catch balls out of that backfield and we will get 20 to 30% of that backfield. Um, it'll almost all certainly be Chubb, but he will catch some balls. So, he'll you'll be able to utilize him. And if Chubb's yeah. out one or two weeks, like, Ford could put up big numbers. But um, for the most part, I'm going to take scaling just because – Again, the the wide receiver room is just so unclear, and if Mahomes is going to throw bombs, throw it to Scantling. Give me a couple massive weeks, and I'll take that. Willie, if you are if you had Chubb on your team, does that make it more or less likely for you to take Ford in that situation? Do you prefer less. to have handcuffs, or are you avoiding it? No, because I'm, I'm I don't want handcuffs. Um, if Chubb gets hurt, I'm lo- I'm losing that entry regardless, right? So I'm going to take Chubb. I'm going to hope Chubb pops off all season long and um i'll take uh ford on a different team with the hope that if chubb does get hurt jerome ford will step in as my rb5 or rb6 and he'll play rb2 numbers for me rb1 numbers potentially and that could be a league winner right there yep i'm i'm totally with that so i agree i'd go scantling over ford on just basic premise of like how are we approaching this uh, which guy do we prefer? Give me the guy who I know is going to get sna- snaps in week one and two and three with the chance of then also producing on top of that. I'm always hesitant to get the, the running back. Like, give me – like, I love a guy like Brian Robinson Jr. this year because I think he's going late, but then he's just going to get so much workload so consistently. Like, I give me the power back who I know is guaranteed to get, you know, 12 touches on a given week and is going to have – a week where he scores two touchdowns or, or he's going to just get two little goal line punches. So, um, I love Brian Robinson too. 100%. Who's the, who's the backup for Mixon this year? Um, it's chase Brown. He's a rookie. Yeah. I think that one's really interesting. Yeah. I think there's a world Mixon gets hurt. And I also just and don't think Mixon's, Mixon's efficiency has just gone <laughs> down so much in the last few yeah. years. I know Mixon's an absolute workhorse, but his efficiency has been horrendous. And that's a really good offense. Do they bring in a rookie running back? I know P. Ryan got a big deal from the Broncos. We could talk about that one in a second. But yeah, it might seem like that's a really good upside play. Is like taking the rookie running back behind Joe Mixon. That one really piques my interest for a late round flyer. Yeah, I've been taking some Chase Brown. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts on Najee Harris and Jalen Warren? Uh, I actually really like Najee this year. Uh, I think again, that's a volume play. With I think his efficiency can go up. Um, I think the Steelers got a lot better. Uh, I think they're having drafted Najee in the first round. They have that four years of team control, then followed by franchise tag. So I think they're incentivized for Najee to be really good and be a guy that they can count on. Um, However, I can't 
be wrong that if you watched the games last year, you would have been like, is this Jalen Warren guy just better? That's so, what I'm trying to say. And what, did so Najee just didn't really do much. I think there's a world where maybe yeah. Jalen Warren was spelling Najee and was in on the more creative plays and was in when the defense was a little more lax or was in when the defense when the games were being lost and then it's a more of a losing game script where it's passing downs and then he gets an easier eight-yard run or whatever. So the the I'm not buying in too much to the splits and the statistics, but I think targeting Steelers' run game is a good idea because we know Kenny Pickett's not totally and, – and avoiding the Steelers' pass game is something I'd also do because – I don't think Kenny Pickett's ready for the big stage yet. I think he's not going to be a big stout stat output guy. We know the defense there is absolutely incredible. We know the division is very hard. We know the Steelers are going to play a game where it's going to be ball possession and try and low score and win some games. I'm already on the under for week one against the 49ers. I would I would look to, to, to try and grab some Steelers run game in either direction, whether it be some Warren exposure or some Najee exposure. That's definitely a team I'm interested in. Yeah, I was taking Deontay Johnson a couple months ago, and his ADP has risen dramatically, and I just haven't drafted him since. Just well, isn't that a really good thing that for you then that you got him early? Is that Was that the benefit to drafting early? Was that you were able to get in on some of these guys who are now risers? Yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the the focal points of why you draft early is you you taking an educated guess. Um, some of them hit and some of them don't hit. Um, in this case, I had taken a lot of Deontay Johnson. I actually think Kenny Pickett could take a big leap this year. Um, and you know, I liked where his ADP was and where he was going. Now I just think it's unreasonable, and I'm I'm just staying away from him. Let me ask you about some of the more polarizing names so far in fantasy this offseason. Calvin Ridley. Yeah, Calvin Ridley's an interesting, right? Like, they talk about hype, training camp. You just see him 10 times faster than Zay Jones. Um, I like Calvin Ridley, but the thing is, is, I was drafting a lot of Calvin Ridley when his ADP was lower. Now that his ADP is higher, like, I don't think a lot of these teams that have Calvin Ridley as their second wide receiver are going to be beating the teams that drafted earlier when they have him as their third or fourth wide receiver. Calvin Ridley wow. in a lot of- Wait, I'm stopping you there. That's such a strong point to consider is that someone who got in early in the in the tournament might have a very different team from what a ADP kind of looks like now. Completely. Like, I, I, yeah. I'm not... That's how you I'm, win. Yeah, I'm not taking Calvin Ridley for the most part um, in the second round. Uh, he's just going way too early for would me, you, and I have... Yeah. Would you recommend people who are listening to this pod now... <laughs> say hi. There's Bronnie, everyone. Someone just dropped off a package at my door, so she's like... <laughs> She's protecting me, but it's okay, Brian. We're not in any danger. Um, would you rather, um, if you were if you were starting fresh and listening to this pod, are you going in and saying, let me get a good amount of my best ball drafts done now, or are you rather wait until September 5th? I think you want to get into the market right away, right? Is This is kind of a place where you want to go draft 10 teams now because if you can get ahead on the Ritter jump, if you can get ahead on the Derek Carr jump or anything like that, that we might see out of camp the next few weeks, or if you can get ahead of potential injuries that are going to come. Like if you had taken Sutton when everyone was down on Cortland Sutton, and now sadly Tim Patrick's hurt, and Sutton suddenly looks like he might be really consistent for this offense, and then now you're getting a, a discount on Sutton. So I would look to get in and get early on some of these drafts yeah a, a perfect example of that i was in a draft the other day where cream hunt went in like round 13 or 14 i was like what on god's earth just because they came out with news that kareem hunt may be signed to the saints and then the news comes out he's not signing with the saints or not yet 
and then I see him go undrafted, <laughs> like right? So it's just like y- you want to get ahead, and getting ahead is definitely super valuable. Right. And you also don't want to, like, relax on buying the hype trains too early. Like, understand 100%. the team situation. Like, that that specific Kareem Hunt one, like, they just need a body for the first two weeks before Kamara gets back. But they and have- I'll say for people not playing into the hype, like, there are people that drop. And pay attention to the people that drop because those yes. could be really good value picks. And there's a chance that the hype is just wrong. So just buy into the chance that the hype might be wrong. And if the hype is wrong, then... The, the, the chance that the hype is wrong exceeds the chance that your ability to pick the right player is correct. Correct. So, so if you want to just fade the dropping guys, if you want to just play the ADP game where you can get value on ADP from the guys that other people are avoiding, like the Jonathan Taylors, the Josh Jacobs right now, and you get a situation where these guys actually come out and play and are totally fine, then you have a huge boost right now. So I would, I would actually think... What if the process that all these people are doing are wrong? What if it's a situation like Miles Sanders last year, where Miles Sanders is literally telling people before the season and tweeting and in interviews, don't draft me in fantasy football. I'm not going to get that much work. It's going to be more of a team offense or whatever. Miles Sanders comes out, and he's one of the most consistent running backs and a workhorse for the Eagles. He's 18 touches every game. So, Talking about the Eagles, by the way, late-round draft pick, somebody that I forgot to mention. I don't know how you feel about him, but I don't – I actually like taking Kenneth Gainwell. Um, I just because DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny are so injury prone. Injury prone. Yeah, seriously. The Eagles offense is so legit. Like, just I love the Eagles offense, um, and so I think that there's a world. Where- I think that's a. I think that's a great one. I also think there's a world where Kenneth Gainwell is also getting snaps week one. We saw him playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they they said he's taking over the two minute drill. I, I think he will get some snaps, and uh, I think just DeAndre Swift is never healthy, and Rashad Penny's never healthy. So I I wouldn't be shocked if Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell ends up playing. If Rashad Penny was healthy, he'd be incredible. So yeah, he would. He he's that's yeah, a, that's I, a sad one. Um, all right, yeah. is there anything that we need to add? I think the one last thing that I'd want to point out is like look at schedule, understand who these teams are playing in the last few weeks of the season. Try and look at who might be. I think. Trying to get people who's, like, from a gambling perspective, look at which teams are have win totals right in the middle who might be really fighting for things late in the season. You don't want a situation where you got the best team and they're, like, starting to rest their players or only play half for in Week 17. You don't want a situation where the team is atrocious and they're like, we don't want to get our guys hurt towards the end of the season. So I really like valuing team strength and late-season schedule. I think the Titans are a perfect example of a team to target. They play the Houston Texans two out of the three weeks in weeks 15, 16, 17. I think they play in weeks 15 and 17. Going back to that Derrick Henry point, we know Derrick Henry's got like four of his last five games against them with over 200 rushing yards individual in the games. So if Derrick Henry's going to be putting up these monster weeks late in the season during the playoffs, then that's really enticing. If you know that the Tennessee Titans are potentially in a division battle with the Jacksonville Jaguars and they also have the Colts and the Texans in their division, it's probably going to come down to that Jaguars-Titans situation we had at this past season and then getting a guy like Chigakonkwo or DeAndre Hopkins or some of these guys have more late season value because the team's going to be more pressed on the gas to get these players the ball in those weeks. So I would look at schedule and try and target some teams that are going to be in the middle of the pack. Definitely agree with that. Anything else you want to add? Last thing I'll add is just in terms of players I really like. James Cook, really big fan of James Cook. I know there's some hype around him. He could be potentially a, uh, a 
third down, like a, a three, a three down running back. Um, I know he catches a lot of balls. There's a world Harris takes away from the um, red zone carries, but I thought he did a great job last year. He's really explosive and young. So big James Cook fan. Um, yeah, and and I agree with the whole schedule thing. I'm, I'm looking at Justin Fields right now. Bears they play Arizona in Week 15. Maybe Justin Fields is a really good pick. Um, but no, I'm with you, Mike. All right. Well, I think this was a great episode. I think we got through some great strategy stuff. I think the main points are consider health, consider schedule, consider uh, risers and fallers in the next time, consider roster construction that Willie gave out in the beginning that two quarterbacks, six running backs, seven wide receiver, three tight end is very smart. Or maybe you go three quarterbacks and two tight ends. Um these are really good strategies. Look at to, into stacking wide receiver twos with their quarterbacks. We gave you some names and some areas of the draft that we really like, how we would approach like being at the beginning versus end of the first round and how we're putting together some of the, the guys that are on our list, where the stack zone is with some of those guys like JSN and Gabe Davis. Um, anything else that, that, that you think we covered really well that I just missed? Um, I think we got it. I, I think pay attention to the strategies. They're good strategies. And uh, hopefully you get go through 100 up. best ball drafts and you will have a few of them by the end that are in the final tournament. And you will be having a very exciting weeks 15 through 17. I think it's a really cool strategy of, of fantasy and, and, and gambling. It's a really cool like, concept that came out in the last few years because everyone loves doing a fantasy football draft. And then half the people don't pay attention to it right after the draft. So it's like, how can we get the most exciting moment? followed by zero work. So it's actually a lot of fun. Um, there is value to be had in some of these players. You can get ahead of some of this news and, and make a big splash. And then you can go into these final weeks of the season when your potential season-long fantasy team, I think it's a really good idea to do some, uh, if you have redraft, to have some best ball exposure because come end of the season when your redraft team got incredibly injured and you're six and seven and you're out of the playoffs and you had a meh season, you just like, all right, well, my best ball team is going to ball out. and We have some bets going, some fun weeks, 15 through 17. And, of course, we're listening to every episode of The Advantage where Willie and I will be back breaking down some DFS slates over the course of the year. Willie, I hope you're okay with that. I just signed you up to join me a few times. Um, I'm 100% good with it. And, guys, if you, don't, if you don't know where to find these tournaments, it's DraftKings and Underdog. You can do $1 tournament, $5 tournaments, $25 tournaments, $100 tournaments, $1,000 tournament. Um, so that if, if, it, if you're looking to – to get into those tournaments, it's underdog and DraftKings. And and for if so everyone knows, Willie has 100 entries in the $1,000 tournament. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, what? fellas, thank you for listening. Appreciate you being here. Willie, thank you for the time. And as thank always, you. peace out, everybody.